Well, good morning, St. Margaret's. How are we all doing? That was great fun, wasn't it, doing the dancing? Really cool. Greetings from Fountains. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Linda and I lead Fountains Church. And uh, we're really glad to be kind of journeying um, with you guys. Uh, and it's great to be here again this Sunday morning. So, uh, so lovely to see you all and to see you so joy-filled. This is going to be quite an interactive talk, so I hope you're going to talk back to me rather than me just kind of sharing information with you. And as you'll see in the background, Jamie's going to be busy cooking. Um, so, this is the third resurrection appearance of Jesus. Now, we know that when Jesus rose again from the dead for 50 days, he was around and about on the earth. But it wasn't like when he was around and about before, where he was constantly with his disciples. If you read the stories, Jesus kind of disappears and then reappears and then disappears and then reappears. So I want us to think for a few moments as we start out, how do you think the disciples might have been feeling at this point in time? So I've just placed a little bit of context around it to start with before you, before you talk back to me. Um, the disciples have followed Jesus for three years. They then had that, that week, which we know as Holy Week, when all of those intense things happened, uh, the Last Supper, and then Jesus' death, and then we have the resurrection, we have the appearance to Mary, then we have the appearance to the disciples, now we have the appearance to another group of the disciples. How do you think those disciples were feeling at this moment in time? Can you put yourself in their position? Somebody tell me what you think. There's no right answers, by the way, because we don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. But how do you think they might have been feeling? A bit confused, yeah? Any other words that you might have used? Might think a bit low. low. Okay, even though they know that Jesus has risen from the dead, they, do you think they're low because they still can't work out what it all means? Yep, I think so too. Any other kind of words? Puzzled, Puzzled. yeah. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Yeah, I think all of those things. And so what did they do? They were feeling kind of confused, overwhelmed, um, not quite sure what's going on. What did they decide to do? They did what they do best, yeah, because these guys, most of them were professional fishermen, weren't they? And so they went back to what, what they knew uh, and to go and spend some kind of time, I guess, you know, down on the lake of, of Galilee. It's a beautiful place if you've ever had the chance to go. Very, very peaceful and calm. And they go out to do, you know, what they, like their paid work, really, that, you know, what they used to do before and go out and do fishing. Let's think for a moment about Peter, because actually... A little bit of a spoiler alert, because from this week, we'll nip into the next part of John 21 next week. I think you're doing that as well, Jamie, right? And Peter, Peter's restoration. Uh, yes. Yeah, good. Okay. So, so, um, um, so next week, we'll go into the second part. So there's a bit of a spoiler alert. But how do you think Peter might have been feeling? What do we know? about what Peter had been up to over this kind of time period. He must have been worried about what the Lord of him. Worried about what Jesus thought of him. Why do you think he might have been worried about what Jesus thought of him? 
because he'd denied Jesus three times. Yeah, so he might have been in really quite a low place, uh, as, as you said, that he was you know, in that place of thinking, well, you know, um, I've let Jesus down. He's reappeared. What's going to happen in all of this? Um, so do you think, uh, what do you think then Peter might have felt um, as he went out on the boat? What do you think might have been in his mind? Yeah. Sorry? Guilt, guilt yeah, some guilt. What else? Anything else? Something that goes perhaps along with guilt. Shame, yes, yeah, shame for, for doing what he'd done. Um, all of those things. So, so there they are on this boat, beautiful Galilee, going to do the things that they're going to do. They've kind of stepped out of, it might be turned kind of a, a liminal space, a space where there isn't really any forwards and backwards movement. They're just kind of stuck in the middle trying to work things through. And as they're out there, they decide that they're going to do fishing. Now, they're professional fishermen, as we, as, we, as we learned. So they're going back to do the work. What do you think the fishermen might have known? How to fish. How to fish. <laughs> yeah. What sort of things might have been important to the fishermen? Catch, yeah, the catching fish was definitely very important. But what sort of things would you need to know to, to catch fish successfully? Some of you might have been fishing. The different parts of the sea, yeah, the different parts of the sea. Patience, they're not, yeah, waiting, waiting around, yeah, they would have been really used to that. They'd probably, what time to go, yeah, so what time did they choose to go? Can you remember? I think it said on that, it certainly says in the scriptures. They were out at night, actually, overnight, and it come to the early morning, and what do we know about what happened? How much had they caught? How many fish had they got? None. Nothing at all. So has anybody ever been in that position where you've done like loads of work and then you end up with nothing? Yeah. I had a situation this week. I was trying to, I was trying to do a technical thing. I'd got a, an audio thing that I'd done. That I wanted to save time rather than sitting there and typing it out line by line. I thought, I'll get some technology that will be able to transfer it from a voice into text. That should be easy, shouldn't it? Should be really, really easy. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so that was what I thought too. So I got it all downloaded into text, but then the text wasn't quite an accurate reflection of what had been said. So I had to go back in and edit it to make sure that it was an accurate reflection. The trouble was I did something stupid and I don't quite know what I did. I completely trashed the whole of like three hours work and... Although I could save it, I couldn't go back to where it was, if that makes sense. So I had to start all over again. So how does that make you feel? It's rubbish, isn't it? And I think that's how they were at this moment in time. It was like, we've done all this stuff and it feels rubbish because we've not caught anything. And then there's this stranger out on the side of the, uh, of the, of the, uh, of the lakeside who shouts at them and says, haven't you caught anything? And you're like, oh, no, I haven't caught anything. And then the stranger says, chuck it all over the other side. Chuck your nets on the other side. If you chuck your nets on the other side, maybe you'll catch something. So do you think that they'd not thought to put the nets on the other side? I, I bet they'd tried all the way around the boat to try to catch fish. But as the nets are thrown over the other side, they get filled with the fish. And so heavy 
is the fish that they can't actually pull, this, pull it in. They have to leap into the water in order to be able to help get the things out. They then realize, Peter then realizes that it's Jesus who's there on the shore. And Jesus has built this fire, as you saw in the little film clip there, built this fire. And my guess is that already there's this kind of smell. Can you smell this out in the church? Yeah, there's this kind of smell, which is wafting. We'll waft some more, Jamie. Yeah, waft it in that direction. This kind of smell that they, they are smelling and they come back to the shore bringing their fish with them. So, Jamie, I'm going to ask you a question. I hope it's not too critical a moment in the cooking. Um, but why do, you think, why do you think that Jesus made breakfast for the disciples? What do you think that was important about that? Well, well, they might have been hungry if they'd been out all night. Um, yep, so one, they were hungry. Sort of kind yep. thing to do. It is a really kind thing to do, isn't it? We, and, and actually, that's a really good point, because it's a real level of food, isn't it? Because we all get hungry, mm-hmm. and we all need to eat. Yeah. It's also kind of, you talk to people in a better way when yep. you're eating food, I think, uh, sometimes, don't you? When you're sit, sitting down and having a meal. Yeah. You sort of talk to each other in a... Yeah. Somehow it's, it works better, doesn't it? It does. And might that be a reason why you've got a, a meal that you're organising for when Olo and Kim come back? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, so Jesus is wanting to draw his disciples back together. They might have felt incredibly scattered, mightn't they? And incredibly broken following all the things that have happened. But this is an opportunity for him. And if Jamie was allowed to have a charcoal barbecue in the, in the, in the church, we could all kind of sit around it like you might do, but that would have been what would have happened, wouldn't it? They would come in, and they'll all have sat on the beach. It's a beautiful shingle beach where they think that this all took place, and they would have gathered around, and they would have talked to each other. So just think for a moment, how many of your special memories, perhaps especially the kids, how many of your special memories are built around family dinners? Can you all think of things? Give, somebody give me an example of a really special family meal that you've had. Christmas. Yeah, we do that every year, don't we? And every Christmas might be a little bit different, but it's always really special. Did you? So you went to get a curry when your mum and dad got married, and that was a really special meal, isn't it? I'm going to be marrying somebody next week, and when I marry them... Then I'm going to go to their reception and they'll have, they, I know that they're going to have an amazing uh, feast as part of that. And that'll be really special for them and it'll be really special for me. So, okay, so that's a meal that you remember because the cooking didn't quite go right. So um, the ice cream was made, but it was the wrong kind of extract that went in. What extract did you put in? Almond extract, perhaps instead of vanilla. Uh, okay, yeah, but still special memories. At the back. I can't hear you too well. Come down the front and tell me. I still haven't heard. Sorry, it's a big church and your voice just disappears into it. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Oh, so do, do you celebrate Thanksgiving? Yes, so that's always a big thing in America, isn't it? Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving time. Yep. Uh, so going to Spain with your dad's family, yes, they do a lot of everybody gathering together. Extended families. So your own family, perhaps, yep, yeah, brilliant, yep. Yeah. 
<laughs> Freezer broke down and so you had to eat ice cream all night. <laughs> That's a shame. Sunday lunch, yeah, do you know my early mem earliest memories of being a little top were having Sunday lunch at my nana's and granddad's. Meals are really important, aren't they? They give us, as Jamie said, the opportunity to gather together. We all get hungry, so we all have to eat, especially when we get nice foods wafting through the house. And you'll think, won't you, on Christmas morning when the turkey's cooking and all of that stuff, you start to get hungry because you know it's going to be an amazing meal. But also it gives us that opportunity to gather together and to talk. And I think that was what Jesus was wanting to create in this moment, was that opportunity for his disciples to come together and under no pressure from the rest of the kind of world or anybody else to be able to chat to each other. And as I said, a bit of a spoiler alert, but I think that provided then the launch pad for Jesus to have the conversation with Peter that we're going to talk about next week, where Jesus restores Peter back to the person that... Uh, Jesus wanted him to be and prepares him to be the person who leads the church into the future. So I think there's a couple of things that we can draw from this talk today. One, I love the fact that Jesus turns up where the guys are working. And before I was ordained, I spent a lot of time thinking about where does Jesus show up in our workplaces? Because he does. And sometimes it doesn't look like when he turns up in our church places. For those of you who are going to be tomorrow in your workplaces, I challenge you to just have a look around and see where and what is Jesus up to? Not always in the way that we expect, but he will be there and be there working with you. And then my other challenge is to think about this whole idea of hospitality. I love that you guys come together and you are such a family here. It's always a joy for me to walk in the door and see everybody interacting with each other. And this service has been, you know, really good um, um, example of that. But where can you begin to extend that out to those who aren't yet part of this family and begin to draw them into the knowledge and the love of Jesus? So shall we just pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for the gift of food and thank you for the gift of hospitality. Thank you that you turn up wherever we are and you're in the midst of what we do. And we pray that as we go into this week, that whatever it is that we're doing, that we would be really attuned to you and to your presence. We pray that you would lead us and that you would guide us. And we pray that you would help us to think about those people that we might invite to be around our tables where we can begin to build up relationships and maybe even in the building up of those relationships draw people to the knowledge and to the love of you, our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.